Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Gee, what am I going to teach about this morning? (laughs) Wow, it's so good to be here. It's good to see familiar faces and some that I've never seen before. Um, Like Pastor Kurt said, I was a prayer pastor over at Res for 33 years, and I retired last October, so it's almost been like a year. And the first thing, and practically the only thing the Lord has said to me this past year is, I just want you to rest. And so I came across the scripture in Ephesians that talked about rest. And so I thought, okay, I wonder what God is really saying. What does it really mean to rest? And that scripture meant to um, rest from all spiritual stress. That's what it meant. And I said to the Lord, I said, I'm not spiritually stressed. And guess what I found out in this past year? I had been spiritually stressed. (laughs) I said, okay, God, I'm going to rest. And so that meant that we took off from even going to church for about half half a year. And, oh, I'd feel so guilty. And he said, no, Diane, I want you to just rest. Just rest. Because... Being on staff at Res, we were required to be at two services every weekend. And so for 33 years, I was at service every weekend, twice, twice a week, or twice on the weekend. And so I said, okay, but how do I get there, Lord? And he gave me a scripture in Isaiah, and it said this. It said, the work of righteousness and the effect of of righteousness is a peaceable, tranquil, quiet life. And I said, God, that's what I really want. I want tranquility in my life. I want quietness. And so that's where I've been in the last year. I've been going fishing a lot with my husband, which I absolutely love. It's nothing like getting out on a lake or on a river and just, you know, catch those great big ones. Um, And so when I was asked if I would come and teach this weekend, it was like, "Uh uh-oh, okay. Do I even remember how to do it? (laughs) I've been resting so much, Lord. He goes, get back in the saddle. So, So I am here today to come and teach on prayer. And I want to just share a few things to get started, um, some quotes. Prayer is God's plan to supply man's great, okay, I'm going to get my glasses on, and continuous need with God's great and continuous abundance. Prayer is the most serious, difficult, mightiest, and divinest work which man can do. Prayer lifts man out of the earthliness and links them with the heavenlies. Men are never nearer heaven or nearer to God, never in deeper, truer partnership with Jesus Christ than you are when you're praying. Let us seek to be adept in this great work of praying 
Let us be master workmen in this high art of praying. Let us be so in the habit of prayer, so devoted to the Lord of prayer, so filled with prayer's rich spices, so ardent by its holy flame, that all heaven and earth will be perfumed by its aroma. Heaven will be fuller, earth will be better prepared for its bridal day, and hell will be robbed of many of its victims because we have lived to pray. Isn't that powerful? So I had been doing a study on uh, previous revivals, and I want to share a few things about some previous revivals, and you'll see the thread of pretty much one thing that was always there in these revivals. A revivalist named Charles Cahey, I think it was, was a revivalist in England. Those who were closest to him were often asked how he consistently flowed in the power of the Spirit. The answer was always the same. Knee work, knee work, knee work. Stay on your knees before the Father. This was his secret to the power of God. In the early days of the American colonies, the fire of God fell from heaven in a great spiritual awakening under the leadership of Jonathan Edwards. He gave himself to much prayer for eight years, and then the fire fell. In the early early part of the 18th century, a great revival broke out in Great Britain, and it was led by John Wesley and George Whitfield. They were both men of prayer. They began to cry out to God for an outpouring of his spirit. Whole nights were spent in intercessory prayer. Here in America, Charles Finney believed that prevailing prayer would open the windows of heaven and bring down the fire of God. During the Great Awakening in 1857, ministers called upon their people to pray earnestly for revival. Prayer meetings sprang up everywhere. It was said of the Welsh revival that the true origin was to be found in the prayer circles that formed in the 18-month period preceding that outpouring. And I want to read something to you about the Great Hebrides Revival. This is interesting. It said, in the late 1940s, a small cottage in Scotland on the island of of Lewis by the village of Barvis lived two elderly women, Peggy and Christine Smith. These two elderly women didn't go out much, but they wanted revival to come. And so they would pray and pray and pray for revival. And the Lord sent Uh, a minister told him that the Lord was going to call the elders and deacons together for special times of waiting upon God because God was going to send a revival there. Um, And then the revival began, and the Lord began to pour out his spirit. And among those converted the following night was a 15-year-old boy who became an outstanding elder in that revival. This lad became a frontline prayer warrior, The preacher, who was Duncan Campbell, called at his home one day and found him on his knees in the barn with the Bible open before him. When interrupted, he quietly said, Excuse me, Mr. Campbell, I'm having an audience with the king. Some of the most vivid outpourings of the Holy Spirit during the revival came when he was asked to pray. In the police station of Barvis, he stood up one night, simply clasped his hands together and uttered one word, Father, Everyone was melted to tears as the presence of God invaded that house. He prayed until the power of God laid hold on those who were dead in sins, transforming them into living stones in the church of Jesus Christ. So 
I say all that, that this young man became this powerful, powerful prayer warrior for this revival. And um, the two little old ladies had a sister. And the sister moved to America. And this sister married a man named Frank Trump. And this boy is a cousin or a great cousin of our president. Now, I'm not going to get political, but I will say that there is a possibility that there could be revival in the DNA of our president. Just throw that out there. Is God amazing? Prayer is powerful. Watchman Nee said this, the greatest thing anyone can do is to pray. A man or woman prays only as much as he or she loves. The greatest people in the world are the people who pray. I don't mean those who talk about prayer or believe in prayer, nor those who explain nicely about prayer. I'm talking about the people who take the time to pray. The enemies fears most next to God, the person who will put his whole life in full touch with God and prayer. Billy Sunday said, every man and woman that God has used to halt this sin-cursed world and set it Godward has been a Christian who prayed. Someone once asked Leonard Ravenhill, why do you insist on so much prayer? The answer was very simple, because Jesus did. If Jesus felt compelled to continuously go to God the Father in prayer, how much more should we? He said, Watchman Nee said, you could change the gospel of Luke into the gospel of prayer. It's all about the prayer life of Jesus. The other gospel writers say that Jesus was in the Jordan and the Spirit descended on him as a dove. Luke says, it was while he was praying that the Spirit descended on him. The other writers say that Jesus chose 12 disciples. Luke said it was after a night of prayer that he chose his 12 disciples. The other writers of the gospel say that Jesus died on a cross. Luke said that even while he was dying, he was praying for those who persecuted him. Luke knew something about prayer. Prayer is the channel of all blessing, the secret of power and life, not only for ourselves, but for others, for the church, and for the whole world. And when Jesus was on this earth, he would go out and pray often, many different times. And his disciples came to him one day, and they said, they would see him go. They would see him go to pray. And his disciples said to him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And the Lord gave me some kind of insight into that. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. How do you do this? How do you keep going back? How do you keep going to the Father? Teach us to do this. Teach us. We want to be like you, Lord. Don't you want to be like Jesus? 
Most, a lot of Jesus' ministry on this earth when he was here was the prayer closet, was the prayer time. Hannah, down here, was my admin for many years at Res. Just an amazing, wonderful woman of God. And one time, I got to preach in, on a weekend, and I told her, I said, I'm going to preach on the prayer closet. Were any of you there? And so Hannah and I built a prayer closet to put up on the platform. <laughs> By the time the, the weekend was over, it was like falling apart. It was not made very well. <laughs> but I, was, I had gone inside the prayer closet, closed the door. It had a door on it. And so I was preaching from inside the prayer closet. It was so much fun. I couldn't see the crowd. It was like, oh, I could get after it then, you know. <laughs> but I was talking to the crowd inside the prayer closet. And so I opened up the door to come back out. And this lady was running up the aisle, running up the stairs and says, I want to get in there. And I screamed. I did. She scared, scared me. I just, ah! It shocked me. She went into that prayer closet and she stayed in there the entire service. She didn't come out. We need to get into our prayer closet. And your prayer closet can be anywhere. When I used to live out in um, Severance, I was on the road so much coming into church, I practically felt like I lived in my car. Well, that became my prayer closet. My car became my prayer closet. We need to have a prayer closet. We need to have a way to get away from everything, you know, to be alone with the Lord. We need his plans. You know where you'll find out what God wants you to do with your life? In prayer. You know where these guys found out that they were supposed to come and start a church here in Greeley? In prayer. Everything is birthed in prayer. Andrew Murray said something in his book, um, the Ministry of Intercessory Prayer, and I thought it was really worth quoting. He said, there is a world with its needs entirely dependent on and waiting to be helped by intercession. There is a God in heaven living in us with all his sufficient supply for all of those needs, waiting to be asked. There is a church with its magnificent calling and its sure promises waiting to be roused to a sense of its awesome responsibility and power. There is a world with its perishing millions going into eternity without God. Souls that are worth more than worlds that are within reach of the power that can be won by intercession. God has taken us into partnership with him. Oh, that we would turn our eyes and heart from everything else and fix them upon this mighty God who hears prayer until the magnificence of his promises and his divine power and his purposes of love overwhelm us. Very powerful. There are 650 prayers mentioned in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer. There are 25 different times that it talks about how Jesus would go to pray. Paul mentions prayer 41 times in his teachings. Prayer is all over the Bible. And you know what? The Jewish people know about prayer. This is a Jewish prayer book. And they say their prayers religiously. I mean, this is like a thousand pages. There is a prayer for everything in this book. And I'll even go so far as to say 
they have a prayer when they go into the bathroom. I, I found it in here one day. <laughs> and so when someone asked me one time, when you go to the grocery store, oh, I, I don't know where it's at now. <laughs> they asked me one time, when you go to the grocery store, do you pray for a parking space? I said, yes, I do. If the Jewish people can pray when they go into the bathroom, I can pray for a parking space. And I say that to say this, God cares about everything, every little, every part of us, every, everything about us. He cares. He wants to talk to us. He wants to show us. He wants to help us. He wants to get us through our life. He wants it to be peaceable, tranquil, wonderful. He wants to deliver us from worry. He wants to just deliver us from stress. We need to be the most stress-free, worry-free people on the planet so that people will look at us and go, don't you get worried about anything? Well, yes, I do, but I take it to the Lord, and he takes it from me. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And you know what? The Lord showed us when we were in prayer earlier today that there's some people in here that have been, you've been waiting for a long, long time for your prayers to be answered, for some of your prayers to be answered. I would just say to you this morning, don't let go of the promises of God. Don't let go. Don't let the enemy talk you out of what the Lord is gonna do in your situation. Because even when we can't see what he's doing, he's doing something when we pray. Hang on. Hang on to the God that answers prayer. Hang on to him. I got these. These are the 650 times prayer is, is talked about in the Bible. There's five pages front and back. 650 times Prayer is talked about in the Bible. Do you think that when God repeats something, he's really wanting to get something into us about that? Something every single time we pray, something supernatural happens. Something supernatural begins to put into action. Something begins to happen. I had something back in 2012. I was one of my worst years. So much so, I'll tell you a story about Hannah. We, that's wonderful. <laughs> Everything about Hannah is wonderful. We were up in our prayer room upstairs at Rez, and we were dedicating the prayer room that day to the Lord. In the middle of that meeting, I got a phone call from my oldest son, and that was in 2012, and just all hell had broken out with my kids. And my daughter was getting married that September, and this was in February. And so I was just devastated, so much so that I practically couldn't, I had to leave. And Hannah helped me out. That's what I was going to tell you. She helped me out of the prayer room because I was so devastated about this phone call. And so I was so upset. And the Lord said one thing to me that year. He said, Diane, I 
am going, I'm in the process of answering every last prayer you've prayed for your kids. When I would get discouraged and nothing looked like was happening, guess what? He would repeat himself. Diane, I am in the process of answering every last prayer that you've prayed for your kids. And I got to thinking about that. The last prayer that I prayed for my kids is the last prayer that he's taken care of. So guess what it caused me to do? It caused me to pray a lot. Because every prayer was the last prayer I prayed. <laughs> so coming up to the wedding, coming up to the wedding, and this is so vain of me, but my biggest prayer for that year was God fix it, fix it, fix it. Well, it ended up that my oldest son did not go to my daughter's, his sister's wedding. And a week before the wedding, I just looked up at God and I said, well, looks like you're not going to fix it. And my biggest deal about him fixing that before the wedding was because of the pictures that were going to be taken at the wedding. That there was a part of my family that was not going to be at that wedding. And so I've got pictures from that wedding. <laughs> and it shows the condition of my family. So I got past that, got back into, okay, God, I guess I have to wait a little longer. Well, it's been, well, okay, 2012, so it's 2019, so it's been seven years since this all happened. It's been seven long years of prayer and trusting. I finally got to the point, I, well, I was coming home one night from a worship conference, and the Lord it was like God got in and sat next to me in the passenger seat. I was stopped at a stoplight. And he said, Diane, you have judged me unfaithful when it comes to your kids. And I argued with him. I said, I have not. I have not. I'm praying for them. I'm believing. Well, he said it to me again. He wouldn't argue with me. He just said, you have judged me unfaithful. Argued with him some more. Finally, on the third time, stopped at this stoplight on Main Street in Windsor. He said it, and I could not believe what came out of me. I began to yell at God and say, you are absolutely right. You're doing everything for every other family I've prayed for. I see it on Facebook. I see these wonderful pictures that, that you're doing with families on Facebook and Instagram. Do you notice, God, I don't have any pictures of my family on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> you're right, God. You're right. You're not doing anything. And I yelled it. I couldn't believe that was on the inside of me. And when it came out, praise God, he gets this stuff out of us. I began to weep and cry and say, you're right. I've judged you unfaithful. You're right. I don't think you're doing a thing. I don't believe you're doing a thing. Please forgive me, Lord. And at that moment, God came and dropped the gift of faith in my heart for my family. And when that happened, 
I said to God, I said, Lord, I will believe that you are hearing my prayer, my prayers, till my last dying breath if I don't see anything fixed. And from that moment on, I have just trusted God. I have believed that the Lord is doing. And just this year, I've gotten a couple of phone calls from different ones in the situation. And God is doing something. After seven years of what I thought was nothing, God is in the process of answering every last prayer I've prayed for my children. He's bringing restoration, reconciliation. It's not done. But I'm going to believe the Lord. I'm going to believe that God has ears to hear my prayers. We can't give up. We can't give in. We can't give up. We can't give in to the devil. We have an enemy. One of our greatest weapons is prayer. One of our greatest weapons is corporate prayer. Getting together with other believers to pray and intercede. We need to have more prayer meetings going on. We need to have fiery prayer meetings. Now, I can tell you, the, prayer, the corporate prayer meeting can be probably one of the most boring things on the planet. Actually, prayer can be one of the most boring things if you let it. But you get into a prayer group that is of one mind, one spirit, going in one direction, with one vision. You get a group of people like that together and you will have a hoop and hollering time. Fun time. The funnest times I've ever had in my entire life were at Thursday morning prayer at Res. Because we would get in there we didn't know what was going to happen, and we would leave the prayer meeting going, can you believe what just happened? <laughs> we would have these meetings that were just crazy. I'll tell you this story. We were pretty wild. We were pretty loud. And our uh, school administrator told me one time, he decided not to have any more school tours on Thursday morning. And if he did, he certainly wouldn't take him by the main sanctuary. <laughs> you would just never know what we were going to do. I can remember one time I brought a ladder in to the prayer meeting. And I set it up and I got up on the top rung of that ladder and I said, we're going up higher today, guys. Come on. And I got down and all of the intercessors went up on the ladder. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I had a group of people that would just say, would just follow, whatever. I felt like the Lord wanted the body of Christ to get more childlike. So one day I brought in colors, jump ropes, and we acted like little kids that morning. That was our prayer meeting. Lord, make us like little, little kids again. Help us to skip and dance. I once um, heard a thing about adults, that when we become adults, we quit laughing. And we maybe would laugh at the most 10 times in a day, little kids, they took statistically 250 times a day. Kids would laugh. And I thought, uh-oh, I get joy stirred up, Lord. 
I would just find things. Ah, I love my husband so much because he makes me laugh, at, belly laugh at least one time a day. And he's so silly. You wouldn't laugh at the things that I laugh at with him. But the Lord gave him to me so that I could laugh. And laughter keeps you childlike. Laughter, I would used to watch my little daughter. She would skip. She wouldn't walk. She would skip everywhere she'd go. We get so burdened down as adults. We get adultish. And we do have to take care of adult things. But you know what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You become this kind of prayer person. I found the fountain of youth. It's with my Jesus. I've told people this about this last year with me. I've, um, I've been alone a lot this past year. My husband golfs and fishes, and so I've have had a lot of alone time. But I haven't felt lonely. And it's been the most precious, precious time of my life since I got born again because it's been me and Jesus. And I get up in the morning and I say, okay, Jesus, what are we going to do today? What do you want to talk about today? And my relationship with the Lord has just, just, it's abounding. And all of us need to have this kind of relationship with Jesus. He's so good. He's so kind. He is so patient with us. He is so filled with compassion. He, he sees the world out here. Guys, the world is in tremendous horrible state. There are so many people that do not know Jesus. And there's a younger generation that don't know the things of the Lord. And this world out here in Greeley needs Jesus. And if you're going to get breakthrough in your town, in your city, you must become a praying church. And I believe that you are. But I believe that the Lord brought me here to say it needs to increase. And not religiously. Oh, no. We need to get together to pray. No. We get together, we get to get together to pray, to kick you know who's, you know what. <laughs> there is a devil. He hates us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing a pretty good job of it in this earth right now. There are abortions going on in our nation that are horrific. Prayer will break through this stuff. Prayer will break through it. If we get a hold of the God that can break through it. If we get a hold of God, press in and say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we want you. We have to have more of you, Lord. More of you. I love the songs this morning. More of you, Jesus. We have to, guys. We have to. We've got to get freshly fired up. We got to get freshly stirred up in the things of God. Because do you want to go out of this world and leave this world with not having had any mark? No. You want to leave a mark in this world for Jesus. You want to become powerful for Jesus. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. I had a guy do this thing on the computer and, and it just went like 10, it went off the paper. Who do we put to flight? The enemy. There is a devil. He is working. He is trying to kill. And who is going to come against him if we don't? If we don't rise up and put him in his place and say, no more. 
No more in my family. No more in the church. No more in the city. No more in our country. And the Bible says to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. And people have asked me, that, how do you do that? And I said, well, you take the anger where you need to take it. Who's causing all this havoc in, in your family? You take that anger and you go after the devil and you tell him no more. And then you go to Jesus and you say, thank you, Jesus. Greater are you that's in me than he that's in the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you've raised this generation, our generation up for such a time as this. God has raised us up to do a work for the kingdom of God while we're still on this earth. We're a part of the last generation. And you know, I used to always think, oh, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be there when Jesus was walking on the earth? And one time, the Lord said, Diane, when you get to heaven, those older saints are gonna run up to you and say, what was it like? What was it like when you were on the earth in those last days? And what testimony am I gonna have? Oh, I just retired. I just went fishing, although I loved it. Uh, <laughs> no, the Lord's not done with any of us until we go to be with him. And God wants to stir you up in your purpose for him. And God wants to renew you. He wants to take worry away from you. He wants to get you guys strong. I loved how that song just kept coming higher and higher and higher. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.